light which is the truest statement because we are all from God's source and God is light in which case we are who we are hello everyone hello thank you India Ari for that beautiful opening song I am on day seven of Black History Boot Camp we're going to be talking about one of my favorites in Tazaki Shange hey Morgan hola hola how are you sister you're just explaining how we're light. I never wished in my whole life that I had paid more attention to science or physics. I never even took a physics class because I was going to try to break down how we're actually light in physics, but I don't have those skills. People <laughs> have to say God. <laughs> but I know there's Look. also a scientific definition. Somebody who knows this stuff, break it down on Twitter or something on how we actually are light because we are. <laughs> how are you doing? I'm good. Yeah. I am I'm feeling actually amazing. I really am. I look, y'all, look, when I promise at the beginning, even before day one, that I'm gonna have praise on my tongue, I've been falling off. I'll hold me accountable to my intentions. But Morgan, I actually checked myself yesterday and I was just like, have a little bit more praise on your tongue and just assess and look around. So I've actually had a beautiful day since I talked to you yesterday. I took some time for rest. I worked hard and got some things done that mattered to me. I took a bath and I did some rearranging in my apartment. So I'm feeling good. We had a good interview I this morning. My apartment too. You saw? Did you? you? Saw the video I saw. Yeah. Yeah. I look, the look. Girl. Listen, sometimes you need to get a different angle on life. 
You need to get a different perspective on life. Yeah, no, 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 I so did. I dragged some big old plants around. I was feeling good today. If we hadn't talked about Tina Turner yesterday and what's love got to do with it, we got to be our own love source. I would tell you, really knew Boo arranged the apartment. He made me a whole studio, and I even made some videos. So then 10 years when we blow up, we're going to be like, here's my videos and our new thing. I was interviewing Oprah and Michelle Obama fake in my studio last night. It was good. I was interviewing Beyonce, everybody. I was just practicing the whole dang thing. And literally this morning when I woke up, I was literally, this is something I have been working on with this boot camp. We're going to get into Intuzaki Jung in a minute, but something I've been working on this boot camp, Morgan, and even just in life. We can't have what we can't imagine or what we cannot vision for ourselves. And we have to prepare with a level of anticipation that says, I already know this thing is coming and happening, so let me go ahead and get ready, even if the evidence says otherwise. So this morning when I got up and I walked into my little studio, I was like, shoot, this is letting God know I'm ready. Like, I'm ready, God. Whatever you got for me, I got the lights on. I got the computer plugged in and charged up. I got that good sound going. I got it all ready. I am ready to receive God. I just, look, I am ready. So I feel good. And when I was doing Intuzaki. No, you know, there's a whole book about that. It's called The Secret. <laughs> it's yes, about to be a third yes, book. But yes. that's and Morgan, tell y'all how to do it. Yes, the full bounty of blessings into your life, how to attract it with precision. To have a vision that has precision around it, where you know exactly what it's going to look like when you show up. You know what dress you're going to wear. You know, I mean, like you really plan and imagine your life and you see yourself with great precision. It's something I'm working on, too. It's great. It's so fun. It is. It has been. It's the last thing I'll say about that. It was actually the saddest thing when I was in the public school system. The saddest thing about teaching, I was teaching then seventh and eighth grade history, is I would give a prompt. And be like, okay, imagine you could go anywhere in the world. Write it down, write it down. Where would you go? <laughs> like, remember, right. They would be like, Look. they would be like Texas, visit my grandma. And I'll just be like, no, no, no. Anywhere in the world. You know how I am. I'll do a cartwheel. Yes. Anywhere in the world. But lack of imagination is such a tragedy. It's like yes. the first assault of oppression is when you take away children's imagination. And I'm reading this amazing book called The Power of Awareness by Neville. And he actually says that our imagination is even only the redemptive power that we have of God. So the fact that we're even not using it is problematic because our imagination is actually that redemptive power showing up in the ways that we push our thinking in order to start to create the world that we want. And then we have to do a whole bunch of other stuff that I'm only learning how to do, y'all. I'll be writing down the notes. We got to think the thought and expand our imagination. That's step one. Go ahead, Morgan. No, this is even a good reminder to parents to let your kids dream without interjecting reality to them. Like, we ain't got no money for that. I mean, when I was little, bless my mom. My mom used to be oh, like, you know how an improv you say yes and? You know, like, yes. you know, we'd be like, you're going on a trip. And then the other person goes, yes and. We're packing our bag. Yes and. My mom was my yes and. She just really was. And everybody in the community used to be like, that girl just be lying. And I'd be like, no, I'd be imagining. <laughs> I used to make up whole full stories about going to the amusement park. And I was in the back of a flatbed truck. And then what happened is it was going through my head. I mean, I have vivid imaginations and I would tell people these stories and half my family would be like, you better stop that girl, Carol, from lying all the time. <laughs> so black parents, let your kids dream and imagine and play intellectually and spiritually. Because I do yes, think it works I out love for that. the good of all of us. 
Yeah, it's true. And actually, it's even more important for today's conversation, because actually, Intazaki Shange said, and I was like, she wasn't even saying this in a shady way, but she actually said in something I was reading, she said that there was nothing to aspire to and no one to honor when she was growing up as a young black girl. She said there was no strong black female figures presented to her. And she said, Sojourner Truth wasn't a big enough role model for me. I couldn't go around abolishing slavery. And so she was like, I literally, and she was like, I literally Dang. had to create for myself no a new vision Jordan. of what, yes. it wasn't, but it was the truth, right? This idea that the yeah. only heroines presented to us were Harriet Tubman or Sojourner Truth or these women who were fighting against the oppressions of slavery without anybody putting words to or color to the oppressions of today and why we are even strong in the face of those oppressions. So Ntozaki was like, I have to write a whole new heroine for myself. But it reminds even what me, I'm facing. when we first started this journalist used to ask me and you who our healthy role models were. And that was a hard yeah. question. This was way before Michelle Obama. But now the go-to answer is Michelle Obama, of course. But like before Michelle Obama, if somebody was like, and before Serena Williams, because we've been in this game for 10 years, really, you know, I mean, we did say Serena. I think she was, she was still up in there. But right. it's like, who is your healthy role model for girls? And so this is when we were like, we need a million healthy role models, everyday women yeah. who are shining bright out there in the community so that, you know, our kids can say, it's my mom is my healthy role model. She gets out there every day and practices a, a radical brand of self-care that inspires me. And I'm, I'm so excited because yeah. I think my niece can say that about her mom, my sister. I think my sister yeah, is a role sure. model for my niece. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. 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 So. Well, I love this, Morgan, and I love that today's conversation is for colored girls who have considered suicide, but who are finding themselves on the other side of the rainbow, even if you didn't think you had considered suicide, the ways in which we don't show up for ourselves and the ways in which we have shrank, shrank for those Morgan, who like, for so many about, things. Just explain what you're talking about. Yeah, no, that's a book. Because it came out the blue. I know what you're talking about. No, it's in the email. Look, it's in the email, y'all. Look, look, this is a lesson plan that comes with the curriculum on the email that y'all got in your inbox. For color girls uh, who have committed suicide is the preeminent work of Ntozaki Shange. And I'm going to break down her whole life for you today on day seven of Black History Boot Camp. So we'll get into all of that for those of you who didn't get the reference. We will, I promise, we'll break it down for you. But actually, so before we even break down her story, Morgan, at the point where we just called people to expand their imagination and even to show up in anticipation, I want to invite the prayer into this call right now so that even as we listen and hear about the life of your sister Intazaki, even as we like marinate over her words. Can I say something <laughs> here while yes. we're queuing up the prayer? Is I actually also think that there is faith and a real imperative for us to have an imagination about our God, to have an imagination around our spirit and our spiritual life. Because as somebody who grew up in the Church of God in Christ, we were not encouraged to ask questions, and we were not encouraged to explore either, either other faith. It felt sinful to me. The first time I went, look, um, Morgan. I, I love you, Morgan. I you know why? Because you were the premierest student in the classroom. Go ahead, tell this. No, I love because you've already pushed the conversation where it's going. But I just saw so I'm just actually saying I love you. We don't coordinate on these calls. We don't know where the conversations are going. But the fact that you're taking the conversation oh. here, I'm, I'm saying I love oh, it. I love I love you taking oh, this conversation. No, 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 I, I love it. Student. I'm saying this in a, in a <laughs> look. 
I'm saying this in a good way, actually, to say that Intazaki Shange actually, and we'll get into this after the prayer, but she gave us a specific example of even the God she was talking about because she was someone who divorced God and spirituality from organized religion. We're going to get into it. Yeah, we're going to get into it. That's why I actually want Caroline to come on. We're going to have a live prayer today, Morgan, from a young Black woman. Her name is Caroline Bennett. She's been a part of the community. She participated in last year's prayer trek and actually covered our community in a beautiful prayer. She calls herself a free Black girl rising. She's from Tulsa, Oklahoma. She's a storyteller. She's an entrepreneur, but mainly she just has the word and the spirit. And we need that, especially from our young Black spiritual warriors. So I love even as a representation of Intazaki that we have Caroline Caroline, lead us in some prayers so that we could get into everything that Morgan's talking about, everything that Intazaki is talking about, but mainly right now for the women, the men, wherever they are across this globe, who right now, they don't even know why they've come to this call. They don't even necessarily know why they've come to this walk. They might think it's one thing, but it's another. Let's just offer them the prayer that they need, and let's cover that prayer to every single woman on our prayer list right now who is standing in the need. Caroline, please lead us in prayer. Hello, 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 Girl Check. This is Caroline Inspires, and I'm so excited to join you this afternoon or this morning, wherever you may be. I'm super excited uh, to join you in this Black History Boot Camp. Let us pray. Dear God, we thank you. We thank you, uh, God, for another opportunity just to say thank you. So often we get caught up in things that put us in a position in which we could complain, God, but we just want to say thank you. God, right now, we don't know why. Only you know why. People are on this call. Only you know why people have taken out the next 30 minutes in their life, God, be on this call. God, but I pray that everybody who's on this call, God, that you would grant us the strength to release us from things that have restrained us. God, grant us the wisdom to replenish ourselves with the things that uh, restore and rescue us, God. God, I ask that you would grant us the will to rejoice in the journey that we didn't always choose, but sometimes chose us. God, we just thank you. We thank you for the strength and the wisdom and the will, God, to do the things and to have access to all those things that you have granted around us and within us, Father God. We thank you, God, for the opportunity and the grace to forgive not only other people, God, but but to forgive ourselves, Father God. And so we just thank you for another opportunity to say thank you. I can't say thank you enough, God, when I look around, when I look outside. When I think about the fact that I still have breath in my body, when I think about the fact that I could be somewhere else, God, I'm sitting here, I'm standing here, I'm able to move. And even if I'm not able to move, God, I'm able to think. And God, I say thank you. We cover those who may be struggling right now with finding the words to say thank you, God. So may they find it in a song. God, may they, may they write it in a poem. God, may they play it on an instrument. God, may they uplift their thank yous to you, God, in some art using their imagination, God, we ask that you would give them that direction, give them that guidance, God, to rejoice and to not let the world steal the joy, to not let the world take from them what you have granted in each and every one of us, which is liberty, which is freedom, which is hope reimagined, not the freedom and not the happiness that America tries to give us, God, but true hope, true love, love with no condition, freedom with no condition, freedom with no harm and hurt towards others, God. We just ask that you would grant us that space and that opportunity, God. 
right now in this moment that whoever is on this call, whoever is able to hear you, God, whoever is able to interpret the words in which you have put them in a position to receive today, Father God, we just ask that they would go and be doers of the words that they're going to receive today. And we thank you. We just thank you for another opportunity to go out and do with what it is that you have placed on each and every one of us. And so in your name we pray. Amen. 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 And thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Caroline. Thank you, everyone who has called in for this day seven of Black History Bootcamp. Thank you to everyone who has used the hashtag. Thank you to everyone who has invited someone. Thank you to everyone who has shared a testimony of something that you have got out of this. Let's get into this, Morgan, into Zaki Shange. I'm going to break down just some baseline information, though, for her, because what I learned was so powerful. And I'm a big fan of her writing, but I didn't know a lot about her life. So if you're ready, Morgan, I'm going to get us started. I'm ready. So y'all, this woman, this patron saint of Black Girl Healing, this literally author of a Black Girl Bible in which so many women have come to those pages over and over and over again to get a source of inspiration, a word to help them keep moving on. For those of you who do not know this woman, she was a feminist poet. She was a playwright. She starred in, wrote, danced in. She was a part of most of her performances, Morgan, majorly, not just the author behind the pen. Her work as a writer was linguistically unconventional and the way she wrote and the way that the dialect was, it was a dialect that was familiar to Black women. She talked about the racial oppression that we had experienced. She talked about the relationships between Black men and Black women. And she talked about the traumas and the pain that we have experienced with an honesty and a beauty that is almost unmatched. She wrote nearly 50 plays and novels and children's books, poetry, essay collections, all of those things centered on the Black woman experience. And Morgan, so much of her work had God at the center. And yet, just like I was saying, her God, and this was one of the first times that kind of critics were saying that someone brought to the forefront the sensibilities of Black women who were in church on Sundays, but with a truth telling and an honesty that said, we can still connect with the God of ourselves and the God that we are praying for and believing in, but we could divorce that God if we need to, because from the religion that might actually be killing us. And from, for her, Morgan, what she felt were the Black male preachers in particular, who she thought were holding up a religion that was oppressive to Black women. So she wanted to talk about a spirituality that was wholly centered on herself. And she wrote this specifically for all of us who are wondering, well, what type of God is that? She said specifically, we need a God who bleeds now. A God whose wounds are not some small male vengeance, some pitiful concession to humility, a desert swept with drying marrow and honor of the Lord. We need a God who bleeds, who spreads her lunar vulva and showers us in shades of scarlet, thick and warm like the breath of our own mothers, tearing up to let us in. This place breaking open like our mothers bleeding. The planet is heaving and mourning our ignorance. She said the moon tugs 
the seas to hold her, to hold her embrace selling hills. I am not wounded. I am bleeding life. She said, we need a God who bleeds now, whose wounds are not the end of anything, but the beginning, Morgan. And I think that God that she was referencing was the God that is inside of all those of black women we know. So I want to stop there to say, I know you were telling us a story about the God that you know, and this is what I love so much about this prayer trip. There's space for us to talk about spirituality in a non-conformist way and in an honest way that I think provides an entry point to so many Black women. And Ntozaki's vision of God was so powerful to me. Yeah, I mean, what I was going to say is that I think it's healthy to ask questions of God and of ourselves and of our mothers and of our, our community. And I actually... I think God is all of the above. You understand what I mean? And so I even hesitate to like co-sign because I haven't read a lot of her work. I, you know, I just think I'm here to learn about what she said and I'm here to learn about all that. But I, you know, I actually think that it's all of the above. I think the moment we become reductive about God is the moment we isolate other people from the abundance of what is possible in this life. And so I was talking to somebody recently and I was telling a story about Nicole Hubb and we were at the Omega Institute. If you don't know what the Omega Institute is, it's like this new age, like very progressive healing center where like the Dalai Lama comes and all, you know, all these spiritual beings from across the world come and lead workshops, et cetera. Well, we were there with Nicole, who is one of my favorite people on the planet. And Nicole is very Christian and her husband is a pastor. And we were sitting in the cafeteria and we had just walked through campus where people were walking through like spiritual mazes and doing like sound therapy and humming and drumming and all kinds of stuff. Even like a trampeze through the campus. I mean, it's like a lot. It's like the X-Men of spirituality. It's a lot happening there. And Nicole was visibly shaken and she was like, Morgan, but I just want them to know the God I serve because the God I serve is so powerful. And she was like, I don't want to begrudge anybody all of this, all of this, all of this. You know, and she's naming all the stuff she does seen it, but she's shook. And she's like, But my God is powerful and real and I just want people to know that. And I was trying to explain to her that if the top of the enlightenment and I was just telling the story, if the top of the mountain is every single moment of God's spirit of breath of healing, of love with a capital L, of just God's grace covering you. And everybody, every one of us, I hope and pray, has had that experience, has had a real God experience. If that's the top of the mountain, what you have, this is why I was telling Nicole, what you have to understand is that Christianity, as you practice it, is like a golden staircase to the top of the mountain that has been laid by the sweat and tears of lots of people, including very patriarchal men and by slave owners, right? But also by our grandmothers, also by the preacher, by Pastor Taylor, also by people we love, right? By Aunt Peggy, your aunt, Vanessa. And so it's been laid as in gold and you can walk straight up to the top. It's all these rituals. It's all these really powerful methods and practices and scriptures for you to go right up the top. But I was like, but Nicole, right on the other side of the mountain is another golden staircase that's called Buddhism, where their grandmothers and their aunts and their, and you know, their forefathers and foremothers laid this pathway of meditation, of prayer, of temples, of every single thing, of story, of mythology, of all these sorts of things to help them navigate life and get to the top of that mountain. On the other side is Islam, right? And then I said, then there's all this stuff like Ashtanga Yoga, which I was studying then, where people are bushwhacking new paths up just in the last 1,000 years. 
You know what I mean? Like, you know, Patali Joyce and all those people were like, listen, we're doing this yoga thing and we're going to bushwhack. And then there's people who are out in the wilderness who are making their own pathway. And I look at women like Intisagi, like as such trailblazers in trying to figure out a pathway to God that suits her consciousness, that is bold and brave. But what I want to say is that I don't think it's necessary to get people off of one pathway onto yours. I really don't. And I actually think it's arrogant. Now, I was telling Nicole, there are people in my family who are really struggling with drug addiction, with all sorts of things. And boy, I would want you to witness to them because they're in the wilderness. And I want you to say, you've been lost in the woods before, Vanessa, because I've been lost with you. I want somebody to say, hey, brother, hey, sister, there is literally a path. There's a trail right here that's going to make your life so much easier. And it has really worked for me. And I know you're exhausted and come over here. Like, I believe in witnessing, but I don't believe in shaming. I don't believe in shaming the God story that works for you. And I implore that with any Christians listening here who shield their hearts when they hear God spoken about in a way that is not traditional to them. But I also implore all the intellectuals who shame the religious traditions of my foremothers, too. So I actually think God is bigger than all of it. And that's what I was saying. I want to be able to ask questions and have an opinion. That's all. I think that's the space we're all looking for. Yeah, I think we're looking for that space, too. And I and certainly don't want to interpret all of Intozaki's philosophies, but in honoring what I think I have learned about her and what I'm getting ready to share, my guess is that what she would say to that is, one, death, actually her version of God is not reductive. It's actually expansive. And actually what she is offering to Black women, that whatever staircase in this way that Morgan just laid out that you are climbing, that climb with the idea that you're bringing God with you up the staircase, that God is inside of you, that the first part of that staircase journey starts inward with a fierce love of yourself because God is love and that love has to be reflected back. And she learned that through some really personal and hard life lessons on her own. I'm going to get into her story right now for those of you who don't know it. So Antizaki Shonda, yeah, she was... I wasn't saying she was uh-huh. saying that we were reductive. I was responding to people who who often, it's me too, and you, who often feel judged by traditional Black churches. I mean, because we worship in traditional Black churches and the patriarchy that is definitely there. I just, I don't feel judged, but I sometimes feel misunderstood, like that I'm naive. And that actually, no, 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 I understand. And and so I was responding to that, not nearly that she thinks that the God she serves is reductive. I don't think it's reductive. So I'm just saying, like, I think there's space for it all. I don't think it's either or. That was my position. Yeah, I agree that and agree. So Ntozaki Shange was born, and this is a theme, if you guys have been following Black History Bootcamp since the first series, she was born Paulette Williams. Um, and we're going to talk about her name change in a minute. She was born Paulette Williams, named after Paul, a man in her family. She was born Morgan in an upper middle class black family. Her father was actually a surgeon in the Air Force and her mother was a social worker. And for the younger part of her life, she grew up in St. Louis in a very, very segregated part of the city. And she became one of the first black children to integrate into the city, into St. Louis's all white public schools. And so she grew up amidst the kind of political backdrop of the civil rights movement. And in particularly was a teenager growing up within the black arts 
movement that we've talked about a fair amount on Black History Bootcamp with people like Nikki Giovanni and Amiri Baraka. So she was a teenager who was growing up in this. And what I love to learn, Morgan, is that her family, who was originally from New Jersey and they had gone to St. Louis when she was little, they originally made their way back to the East Coast. And she was, a, and I'm like, of course she was, because when I see pictures of her, she seems exactly like the quintessential Black woman, Harlem, New Yorker, who got a living room full of yummy, delicious treats and some wine and somebody good to sit in her apartment. And she said that she actually grew up with cultural icons like Dizzy Gillespie, Miles Davis, and even W.E.B. Du Bois were regulars in her parents' homes. So that was actually her tribe and her actual circle, this intellectual kind of fiercely Black crew of people who were right in the heart of the Black arts movement. And she was a Black woman who was growing up in that space. She said she had a lot of artistic fervor and ideas in her around what she wanted to do, Morgan. But to your point of Carol was like, uh, yes, and her parents was like, yes, you can be an artist. And also you're going to take yourself to college and we're going to get some education because we up in this house with W.E.B. Du Bois and Dizzy Gillespie. And they had like specific aspirations for her that she felt a lot of pressure around. But she followed through and she actually attended Barnard. It's one of the fancy colleges in New York. And then, did you know this, Morgan? Where did she get her master's degree at college? Where did she go? She headed west. She headed Thank to you. the sunshine. Uh, to the University of Southern California. And she said that because California at that time in the 70s, 70s gave her a level of freedom and a level of inspiration that she actually felt like she was a little bit constricted on the East Coast. And you know how it feels to come West and you get that open kind of sunshine in the air. And she was going to USC and then spending a lot of time in the Bay Area. And she said that she started to write, Morgan. And she said, she wanted I just want people black. to know that that's where Vanessa and I met. That's why she has an inflection in her voice. I went to the University yeah. of Southern California, and she went to UCLA. And let me just tell you, black people too free in California. Maybe <laughs> <laughs> free. coincidence that the Panthers came out of California, that Angela Davis came out of California, because it actually, the quality of life is so nurturing in California, like the weather, like the pace, all the stuff, that it gives you the space to be an intellectual rebel. So it actually yes. makes good sense to me that she was out there. Yeah. It does. So while she was out there is when she really started to get kind of into her own writing and finding her voice. And she actually was writing at a time where there were a lot of other Black women who were starting Toni Morrison, Alice Walker, Gloria Naylor, who, by the way, we need to talk about, like, I feel like she doesn't get enough shine. Gloria Naylor, who wrote The Women of Brewster Place. But they were all starting to write these stories around, like, Black women. And she was like, wow, there's a model here for me to write. But there wasn't anyone who she felt Felt like was cutting to the chase in terms of language to talk about what she felt were like the unmitigated pain and trauma of Black women and how it was showing up. And she said for her, this was important because the personal was political and that she no longer wanted Black women to divorce their personal lives, their political lives, their spiritual lives, because in doing that, we have compartmentalized, she was saying, that in certain areas of our lives, it's okay to tolerate pain. 
to tolerate the unimaginable things. And she was like, if we married those things together and understood that God was in us and found a love for ourselves first, then those things would cast out any ideas we had around what we should and should not be able to accept. Of course, Morgan, in her writing and in laying out that vision, she was unapologetic in her writing about the relationship of Black men and Black women and where she felt that Black men in particular were a part of kind of this oppressive forces that had not support and loved Black women. And she meant on an intimate level, by the way. You know, we talk a lot about like the political landscape of what is happening, but she meant intimately and the way that she felt that Black women were being betrayed when we went out there and were warriors for our families and communities and then came home. And this is true. So we have to be able to talk about the truth in a way that matters. And they weren't getting the love that they received. And one of her biggest critics, Morgan, this is not surprising because I know he was cantankerous like this, and also we did feature him in Black History Boot Camp, was Amiri Baraka. And Amiri Barak said that she was smearing Black men and labeling them as violent, unfaithful womanizers. And this is how she responded. She said that the reaction from Black men to Four Colored Girls, which was her preeminent work, Four Colored Girls, actually won an obi. Um, it's a choreo poem that she um, actually later was adopted. It was one of the first choreo poems. It included poetry. It included dance. It included stanzas. It was so different in structure from anything that people had ever seen. And it became a sensation, Morgan, when it was released on Broadway in 1977. It had a long run there. And for people, it was like, wow, this is something fresh. And it was talking about the liberation of Black women in a way that people were shocked at because she folded in themes of abortion, rape, sex, joy, and grief. And to your earlier conversation about shame, she said, I want to talk about all of these things without any inkling of shame or apology that any woman, a Black woman, has experienced these things. She said, I just want to talk about them. And I want to say what was said, what women have experienced. And I want to be able to do it without shame or without apology so that those women can have some dignity in the things that they have experienced, is what she said, which I thought was really, really, really beautiful. But it was Amiri Baraka, and there was a whole movement of people who were like, okay, but you're trashing Black men in the process. And she said that, first of all, that she needs Black men and Black women to recognize that power and authority and the way that we are interpreting power and authority in this country and as Black people is by modeling what we have seen from the oppressor. And so she actually said in a beautiful, loving way, I am not even blaming the Black man for how they have showed up because look at the world in which we have lived and what they are fighting against. She said, I am simply pleading with Black men and Black women that we must love each other in a new way. We must envision a new way of even communicating with each other, of showing up for each other. And it cannot be in the ways that the system has oppressed and we have been oppressed. We cannot have that in our homes. And that was really, really, really beautiful for me in the way that she talked about that. I think this is an opportunity yeah. for you, Jan. You know, a lot of people gave the same criticism to Alice Walker that in The Color Purple, there yes. were not enough Black men. And listen, I, I think there's some validity to, to the arguments of kind of balanced storytelling and the spirit of Yes And, because I think that Black men have really hurt us in many ways. And right. I think she was raised with W.E.B. Du Bois, who loved his wife 
fiercely with Dizzy Gillespie, who traveled the world with his wife and had just a very public love affair. You know what I mean? And I'm assuming her parents, you know, like, I don't know. And I think that it is helpful often to juxtapose the problem with the solution of Black men who are standing in the gap with us, who are celebrating us. I find that helpful. As a woman who's trying to navigate this world, I find that helpful, too. The problem is that there's such pressure at the united front in Black liberation that there is not enough nuance to say, no, 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 we're hurting. Like, listen, Panther Movement, you're hurting us. Or listen, you know, whatever the whatever the movement is, even Black Arts Movement, even Civil Rights Movement especially, you're hurting us. Or even the church, you're hurting us. I think there is a way to say you're hurting us and to celebrate. I don't think it has to be either or, is what I'm suggesting. I don't think it has to be either or. I mean, I'm not in the context of her life, and I didn't know what was going on, and she's fighting for redemption and... Yeah. Let's talk about that, because that's actually really what I love about her writing the most, is that, and this is okay. an invitation to every single person on this call, because we have all something to say. In the context of everything that, in fact, was going on, where there are redemptive characters and there are forces that are against us from a personal standpoint and a political standpoint, in the context of even the Black arts movement and folks like Amiri Baraka giving her criticism, she said, okay, but I'm going to write my story. That's the story I'm going to write. And she actually was married twice. She was first married to a man named MacArthur Binion while she was in college, Morgan. And she said that the relationship actually was so bad that she attempted suicide. And then she was later married to a man, a jazz musician by the name of David Murray. And also that relationship, she said, was so traumatic for her. And she said her writing was reflective of that because that was her personal experience. But then, and this is where transformation, this is why she is a spiritual warrior. She said, but then I decided to stop focusing my rage on the limitations that society has imposed on Black men and women. And I started to focus on the healing that was possible through a spiritual transformation that centered love for myself and other people. So she said she actually was so beautiful. beautiful. Yeah, yeah. Actually, since we decided we were going to do this Spiritual Warrior series, she was actually the person I always thought in my own mind would most represent what this series meant for me because she was someone who I felt actually never abandoned the central theme that God is the universe, that God is omnipresent um, and providence and all of these things. She just felt that the power of that was sourced from within. And I just really, really love that. And so she said from those experiences, Everything she wrote was going to be for for colored girls. And I loved when she said this, Morgan. She started writing in a time where using the word colored was not the phrase of the Black arts movement. It was not the phrase of the progressive Black folks. If we're talking actually about her contemporaries. And she said, but I was writing for my grandmother. She said, my grandmother called herself a colored girl. And I was writing a manifesto for the women like her, the women who actually didn't see themselves as progressively represented in that Black arts movement. And she said, so it was for colored girls, and she said, who have considered suicide like she had, but who are moving to the ends of their own rainbow. And one of the most powerful things that she did to move to her own rainbow is while earning her master's degree, she reaffirmed her personal strength by renaming herself an African Zulu name. 
And so she changed her name. First of all, she said, I'm a feminist. And I thought the idea was ridiculous that I would be named after a boy to begin with. So she called herself Intazake, which means she who comes with her own things. And she called herself Shange, which means she who walks like a lion. And she said, I made myself up. She said, I made myself up so that other women can know that they can make themselves up. And she said through every novel, through every play, through every poetry that she has ever written, she wanted it to be an invitation for generations of Black women to do the same thing. Create yourself in the image of God by finding God in yourself and loving her fiercely. And she did that, Morgan, so beautifully in her choreo poem for Colored Girls that it became an award-winning play. It won the Obie Award. It won the Outer Critics Circle Award. It was nominated for a Tony. It was nominated for a Grammy. It was nominated Vanessa. for an Emmy. I don't know. Yes. Vanessa, stop playing like yes. you ain't a movie with Janet Jackson. No. You got to go where the, where the people know. That's what I'm saying. Nobody no, saying the Tony Award no. Broadway show. Look. <laughs> I'm sure that you have probably seen, or if you haven't, you have heard of Tyler Perry's version of, and it's actually just for colored girls. And actually, Intazaki talked in an interview, which I will share on Instagram, about Tyler Perry adapting it. And she liked it and had some opinions on it. But one of the things that she held firm, actually, is I don't even know if you noticed this, Morgan, but the name of the film is actually just for colored girls. She didn't give up the rest of the name of the film because she was like, there was something yeah. that was never going to be represented in the movie. And I wanted to be able, him to be able to interpret it, but not take everything that was really of the play. But I'm going to tell everybody out there right now, that movie was good. I actually watched it a couple of weeks ago. It, you know, it was here, neither here nor there in terms of some things, but I thought it was an earnest effort. But the real movie y'all need to watch up for Color Girls, the version that I personally love, is Alfre Woodard and Lynn Whitfield <laughs> and Intazaki Shange herself. Look, shout out to the Black women who was like, we're going to make a movie out here in New York City. Get us some costumes. Get us Lynn some costumes. Morgan, and Alfre Woodard in that movie in particular, she plays a lady in red. She gives such a, oh, her performance well, I'm gonna is so beautiful. I'm going to watch it tonight. Yeah, so everyone watch that version. I would highly recommend it. It's kind of like food for your soul. And it also, which she actually acknowledged in an interview I watched, for Colored Girls is triggering to a lot of people, the content of it. And she didn't take it lightly. She was like, I'm not taking this lightly that we're talking about intimate partner violence, that we're talking about race and abortion that she, and the way that we're talking about it. But she believed that the healing was on the other side of the public talking about it. But so I'm actually saying that to say even she said it can be triggering, but there is healing in this and it is presented for healing. It was also the original vagina monologues. You know what I mean? This yes. kind of talk back, yes. this kind of art performance of Black women telling their stories in powerful ways on powerful stages, and that in order to awaken conversation about things that was really happening to us. So just shout out for even a new genre of like performance art. <laughs> it's like so yes, amazing. exactly. And people don't realize that she passed away in 2018. That uh, Four Color Girls came on to Broadway. It had a, a really successful run from 1976 to 1977. And then it was showed many times in many decades across the country in regional theater and all sorts of other things. But people don't realize this, Morgan. And this is like one of the things that's also a theme through this boot camp. Because when I think of Intazake, I think of her super colorful artwork for the book and the album. I think of her literally as like a patron state of Black Girl Healing. I have loved her stuff so much. But she struggled significantly with substance abuse. 
bipolar disorder, which later, by the way, her suicide attempts were accredited, she said, to a diagnosis of bipolar disorder. And then she eventually ended up suffering in the early 2000s, a series of strokes. And the strokes actually Mm. left her with an inability to even type or use a pen. And yet for the last 10 years of her life, this woman fiercely continued to tell the stories of Black women, and she used voice recognition software on her laptop, and she continued to write. And in her last book of poetry that she wrote before her death, one of the prologues says, because the work is also, it's about the trauma of Black women, she said, I wish I hadn't seen some of the life portrayed here in this book, that the blood and the tears were imaginary, but they are not. And she said, sometimes the myth and the history of our people, it sustains me, and I believe it can sustain you, regardless of the sweat or the tears, the calluses, or the struggles that we have endured. And so she was here, and I this shout out to this man, look, when I tell you our grant came across at about two o'clock in the morning, this man who was ministering on Facebook, his own ministering show, he only had two likes and one share, and his name was Millard, and I don't even know his last name, but this man had done a whole hour sermon on Intazaki Shange, he's a preacher for colored girls, and then he compared it with Ecclesiastics, there is a season and a time for everything, and one of his analysis was, is that one of the primary calls of the church is to bear witness and that in this moment of struggle right now the church is failing people around bearing witness to our real struggles and he said and that is where we have to thank black women and the black women who who worship at the church of Intazaki because she came to bear witness to what we were experiencing and I thought that that was so powerful that he said she was doing even the job of the church by bearing witness and he then offered all these scriptures that were healing to say that there is healing in the scripture there is healing in the church just like you said it is a both and but the first part of that healing is a part of the conversations we've been talking about with Anita Hill and Tina Turner we cannot heal what we cannot tell the truth from Right. So part of what Intozaki did was just bear witness. And I just want to uplift her on this call. I want to uplift that she did it in a hard way. And Morgan, one of the things that she said that I just thought was powerful, and I feel this about me, you and the women we talk to, and this is part of For Color Girls. She said, I used to, and this is a stanza from there, I used to live in the world and really be in the world. She said, free and sweet talking, good morning and thank you and nice day and uh uh-huh. She said, but I can't now. I can't be nice to nobody. Nice is such a ripoff. It is regular beauty and a smile in the street. It is just a setup. That level of we can't even be nice anymore because the world is so hostile to us. She writes us out of that, by the way, y'all. She writes us out of that. But her saying that is the truth. The truth of Black women not even feeling like we can show up and be nice because the world is so cruel to us. I was watching the confirmation hearings for the Supreme Court Justice Amy Barrett Cohen, and I was just like, I feel betrayed by this woman. And Diane Feinstein was interviewing her, and she's trying to get her to give a straight answer on how she's going to vote on Roe versus Wade. And this woman is talking out the side of her neck. And I'm just like, thank God for the Black women who bear witness. Thank God for the Black women who show up in these hard times. And also, I love Ntozaki because she wrote us out of the hardness and she is offering us a softness that says we can now show up in that way if we show up with love for God. So I hope everyone gets into her work, Morgan. Like, please watch 
the Alfre Woodard Lynn Woodfield version of Four Colored Girls as a starting place. Read some of her poetry, y'all. She has a beautiful novel called Sassafras, Cypress, and Indigo that I would also recommend for people who are looking to get into her work. Yeah, I have always been struck by her embodiment of God, that she is bold in saying that God inhabits her or that she is God and that you know, in this way that really felt radical to me as a little girl growing up in church. And I still grapple with it because it was so nailed into me. I'm nailed, haha. <laughs> so nailed into me <laughs> that Jesus, God, the Holy Ghost were outside of me. And I'm still trying to even figure it out. And then, you know, now that I know the scripture better, even thinking about your body being a temple of God and like really expanding and exploding my own definition of what God can be in in the most abundant form, like the most explosive energy of God's love to me is where, is where I, how I want to align. You know what I mean? And so like grateful actually for people who are talking about it in ways that, you know, things that scare you is where you should lean in and listen more. You know what I mean? So like, I was always been grateful for her. Like, wow, like that's a bold statement right there because I was taught my whole life that God was outside. And it's that, crazy that you know, you're like, saying that, like though, Morgan. Kind of- I I have to interrupt here right now, though, because remember the other day, whatever call we were talking about, and I was talking about John 14, and I was saying how, like, that I am the light, the truth, and the way. And that's literally the first time I had ever gone behind beyond the headlines to read the chapter. And on that same day that I was reading that, Brandon, who you know, who some of you from these calls might know as a yoga teacher who I sometimes practice with, he had just sent me a message checking in. And I was like, wow, it's funny that you're checking in right at this moment because I'm reading this chapter on John 14 where like the people were like, how do we know God? And he was like, I must send the Holy Spirit. And I was like, I'm right here on my yoga mat right now. And I have this distinct reflection that the Holy Spirit is the breath inside of my body and that it is that is actually the life force and that when in our yoga practice we say to connect with the breath that it's like it is connecting with the Holy Spirit and that that practice right that when we are breathing if you think of it as connecting with the Holy Spirit every time you breathe you know this like your nervous system everything it calms it centers you it connects you and in those calmest moments, I do think like, wow, I feel you, God. I feel you, God. So the idea that God is outside of us, I know it has been taught to us, but I also have been on this my own journey to figure out where God and the Holy Spirit and my belief system show up physically inside of me and mentally in, in my practices and behaviors beyond church. Yes, and So what I'm learning is that like, yes, like I feel the Spirit moves in so many ways and breath and rejoicing and worship. And I also believe where two or three are gathered. I don't believe I have full possession of, of God body inside my, inside my, my body, but I, do, I, I think I have access to love. I think I have access to truth. I think I have access to all the fruit of the spirit, patience and goodness and kindness. And that through that, that I can help amplify God's presence on this earth. And so it's something that I've just been working on and thinking of, even having a language for it that invites other people to join with me is something that I'm really, really working on. I'm really working on and I'm excited. I'm saying yeah. that because if you are a colored girl out there like me, who's really just grappling with theology, with liberation, your own childhood baggage of understanding doctrine, 
just know you ain't alone. I'm doing it too, y'all. I'm doing it too every single day. No, I hear what you're saying, Morgan. I love this. And I hope this conversation has just sparked in everyone at least an idea around how to expand your definition of God so that it can be a both and, and that the both, if it doesn't already, just includes a fierce love for yourself. We're getting ready to close out with a walking meditation, which will actually be an excerpt from her stage play. It will be a laying of the hands. While we are listening, I really invite everyone to think about where do you find God? And if you don't find God inside, tell yourself, like, where is God for you so that you can um, seek God and seek the support and seek the love that you need? And I'm offering this as a reflection of why we walk. One of the stanzas, Morgan that is as part of for color girls is my love is too and i don't know if you guys many of you remember that from the movie or if you've seen it but the women get together and they list all of the things that my love is too much for and it starts with it says but being alive and being a woman and being colored is a metaphysical dilemma i haven't conquered it yet do you see the point she said my spirit is too ancient to understand the separation of soul and gender my love is too delicate to have thrown back in my face. And then each woman declares for themselves, and I'm asking you as we do this walking meditation to declare to yourself out loud what your love is too much for. And they say, my love is too delicate to have thrown back in my face. My love is too beautiful to have thrown back in my face. My love is too sanctified to have thrown back in my face. My love is too magic to have thrown back in my face. My love is too Saturday night to have thrown back in my face. My love is too complicated to have thrown back in my face. My love is too music to have thrown back in my face. So we're going to play this walking meditation. We're going to listen to the laying of hands. And I want you to proclaim to yourself at least, but say it out loud while you walk um, so that the universe can hear is what I would suggest even louder. What is your love too much for? Don't have it thrown back in your face. Remember that the love is inside of you and trust and believe that God has you, this movement has you, and that you have yourself because that's my reflection from Intazaki and from spending time with her. So let's go, Ebony, into this walking meditation. Morgan, I've loved talking to you today. I cannot wait to talk to you tomorrow. These walking talks are everything. I was missing something. Something so important. Something promised. A laying on of hands. Fingers near my forehead. Strong. Cool. Moving. Making me whole. Sense. Pure. All the gods coming into me, laying me open to myself. I was missing something. Something promised. Something free. A laying on of hands. I know about laying on bodies. Laying out a man. Giving him all of my fleshy self and some of my pleasure. Being taken, eager, full, wet like I get sometimes. I was missing something. A laying on of hands. Not a man. Laying on. Not my mama laying, holding me tight, saying I'm always going to be her girl. Not a laying on of bosom and womb, but a laying on of hands. The holiness of myself released. I sat up one night walking a boarding house, screaming and crying the ghost of some other woman who was missing what I was missing. I wanted to jump up out of my bones and be done with myself. Leave me alone and go on in the wind. It was too much. And I fell into a numbness. Till the only tree I could see just picked me up in her branches and held me in the breeze. 
made me dawn do that silence, that chill at daybreak. The sun wrapped me up swinging rose light everywhere, and the sky laid over me like a million men. I was cold, I was burning up, I was a child, and endlessly weaving garments for the moon with my tears. I found God in myself, and I loved her. I loved her fiercely. And I found God in myself. When I found God in myself, and I loved her fiercely. I loved her fiercely. Wow. Oh. 